We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Overcoming evil with good. That's the subject of today's broadcast of Abounding Grace as we turn our attention once again to the book of Romans. Join us, Abounding Grace, with Pastor Gary Wagner, coming right up. When it comes to those around us that would seek us harm or seek to do ill toward us, it's always our nature and desire to get even, to get retribution. And we want it today. We want it now. But Jesus says, make room for him. Let him deal with it. You just trust and rest in Jesus and he'll take care of the rest. Oh, it may not be in our timing, but it'll be in his timing, his perfect timing. Put down the imprecatory prayers and join us for an encouraging look at Romans chapter 12. Here's Pastor Gary in a message called Jesus Overcame Evil with Good. He says, give peace place to it because God says it is mine. I will repay. If there is something that needs to be put right, he says, I will do it. Not you. You're not the judge. Parents, you are not a judge. Husbands, you are not your wife's judge. Wife, you are not your husband's judge. Parents, you're not even your children's judge in the absolute sense. And we are not the judge of one another. There is one judge, one lawgiver, and one king. We are all brothers. So our responsibility is to humble ourselves before one another. And if we have been truly wronged, whether it be by a brother or sister in the church or someone in our family or an enemy of the gospel, we are not to avenge ourselves. This is God's office. And he says, I will do it. Think of the Lord Jesus. That night when he was on trial at Herod's with Ananias and Caiaphas and all those hoodlums who masquerade as the priestly family. Jesus knew that he was on trial, though his real court that he was standing before was the court of heaven. And I being condemned there as the malefactor before my father, the shepherd for the sheep, the holy one for the unholy. But catch this, please. Even while he was being condemned before that court, he trusted that court. As 1 Peter 2.23 says, when he was reviled, he did not revile again, but committed himself, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. So on the one hand, he completely gave himself into the hands of his father to become his judge. For him to become the scapegoat and to bear our curse. But on the other hand, he knows that with respect to all the wicked men who persecuted and tormented and crucified, his father would take care of them. And he completely yielded himself to his father on both fronts. And that 
is to be our model. You know, on the one hand, when we are persecuted or tormented or people say bad things about us in the workplace because of our faith or snicker at us, we are not to answer in like kind. We humbly take it. We rejoice that we are given a small opportunity to have a little bit of shame for the cause of Christ. We also know that we all need to be humbled. God means for me to change in persecution. God means for me to be disciplined for the church when the church goes through persecution. And you and I know we need it. So we need to be real careful, for example, when we pray for our persecuted brethren. It's not just, Lord, and this is fine, kill those vile tormentors and let your people go free. It may be that the church needs this, that families may need this. We don't know how. We are not the judges. So God is bringing good through the wicked. Always, beloved. So we need to make sure we submit to his hand. And all the while we trust God will deal with his enemies in his own time and in his own way without us having a vengeful spirit. The Corinthians had a vengeful spirit. Do you remember what they were doing? Turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It was horrible. Verse 1 of chapter 6. They were going to the law against each other before unbelievers. They were suing one another. We don't know all the reasons why, but notice what Paul tells them here. Let this sink in, child of God, and be free in Christ from the chains of feeling like I have to defend myself. Verse 6 of chapter 6. But brother goes before the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Verse 7. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to the law with one another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? What are you kidding me? That's not American. What about me? What about my rights? What about my feelings? Paul says, let them go. Just be wronged. Just be defrauded. Why? Because more important than being right, more important than being seen as the one who is right, is the bond of love that must exist between the children of God. And that bond must not be ruptured by our taking vengeance upon ourselves or taking vengeance upon the wicked. But because again... The Lord claims for himself the sole right to vindicate his children. And you can be sure, beloved, that he will. Now that doesn't, shouldn't make us smug or conniving. Boy, they're going to get it. I just can't wait. God is going to get the wicked. Well, I'm not sure God is going to honor that kind of spirit. Notice what he adds here as we come to the end of chapter 12, verse 20. So if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he thirsts, give him to drink. Now, can you imagine this? Let's say someone just curses you out at work. Some of you have gone through some difficult things of work because of your faith, because of things you wouldn't do or things you would do. Some of you have gone through things in your extended family, even with those who may profess to be Christians. Can you imagine after they just finished laying into you and blasting you, you say, Hey, would you like to come over to my home for dinner tonight? I'd really like to make you a meal. Are you kidding? Or, hey, I'd like to go and buy you a cup of coffee. Could we go and... What? I've just been cursing you out. I've just been ugly to you, and you want to make me a meal? You want to take me for a cup of coffee? Come on, we're of a different spirit. Yes, and it is a glorious spirit. But I'm afraid it is one that has gotten lost in the blindness of Americanism and in the arrogance of just our own heart. He says, for in doing so, though, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. That phrase has been taken in a variety of ways. But I think the best option is the idea that it quenches the fire that is within him. It's hard to be angry with someone who is bringing you a meal. Oh, I suppose it's possible still for those who are the most heated by hell's fire. But normally it's very difficult. The Lord says that the spirit, that's the spirit of, that's the spirit you're of, just like me. Just like when it was, I was feeding the multitude. And the very next day when I explained to them what the bread meant, they walked away from me and wouldn't follow me any longer. But then, when I came back to that area, I healed more of them. I fed more of them. I clothed more of them. I taught more of them. Why? Because at the end of the day, it does not matter how people treat me. I'm not God. And I can't make my feelings an idol. I can't make my reputation an idol. I have one master. And with respect to my brothers and sisters in the church, I can't think. I've got to defend this. Because if I don't defend this, then they'll get away with thinking evil of me. And maybe it might even be a a leader in the church. All we should want is to sit close at Jesus' feet. And if one of our brothers and sisters is sitting closer, then we rejoice with them. That's it. But they didn't get there like, okay, did Jesus not know that? Does he not know all wrongs? Is he not fully aware what each one of his sheep needs? And each one needs to be humble and to be taught. Does he not know this? Of course he does. So we can let go of the God robe. We can let go of the God scepter. We are brothers and we are sisters. And verse 21, as Paul concludes, Therefore do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, will that ever get laughed out of court? Overcome evil with good? Come on. 
You've got to fight fire with fire. That's the only way. You've got to fight fire with fire. Yeah? Well, then you just get the United States. Then you get to church in the United States with so much fracturing, so much partisanship, so much independent, fractured thinking. Fight fire with fire. Boy, am I ever glad God didn't treat us like that. Because we would be roasting if he had met the fire of our wickedness with the fire of his wrath. He laid that wrath on his son. So if we've been cleansed and we hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're supposed to come overcome evil with goodness. The very things he's been talking about. No retaliation, repaying evil with kindness, Loving our enemies, as he said in chapter 9, praying for those who curse you and asking God to bless them. You know, when I read these verses, I realized why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, seek, and knock. Because this is asking men of dust to lead a heavenly life. And on our own, we can't do it. We just can't do it. Everyone in here would have to stand up. If I said, okay, everyone in here who has had their feelings hurt, stand up. Everyone would stand up. Everyone in here who tried at some level to get someone to feel how much they're hurt, how they hurt their feelings, stand up. Every wife in here would have to stand up. Every husband in here would have to stand up. Everyone who has ever pouted, stand up. Everyone in here would have to stand up. Everyone who has been concerned about defending a certain position because I know it's right and I'm speaking for God, but I went about it the wrong way and I made being right more important than dying to myself and dying to the love of Christ. Everyone in here would have to stand up. Everyone would. Why? Because at the end of the day, These grave clothes of selfishness and pride and fear still cling to us. So we need Jesus, do we not? We need to ask, seek, and knock. Now here are three principles in closing. Everyone in here this week needs to be asking, seeking, and knocking for humility and grace in our relationships. That is where it has got to start. If you have the best principles in the world, you can't apply them unless you are on your face before God asking, seeking, and knocking for humility and mercy and love. Second, do a little bit of self-evaluation. What is more important to you, being right or being meek before God? What is more important to you? At the end of the day, what if you're, it's your children? For them, I've got to be right. Well, it's a delicate line there. Because as parents, we have authority that we have been given by God, that we are to wield. And no one denies that. But how we go about wielding that authority has got to be done with a humble spirit. Paul was an apostle which is higher than a parent, right? And he said, I put on gentleness. I put on the meekness of Christ. 
And as parents, we can get a lot further with our children when we practice meekness toward them, particularly when they are older. Not yelling, not blaming, not trying to make them feel sorry for getting you upset. After all, I'm your father. How could you do that or say that to me? I've been there myself. And I've wanted to get on my face and eat dirt for my self-centeredness. I don't want to strong-hand anyone. I don't want to be recognized, for he must increase and I must decrease. Remember John the Baptist? John, Jesus is still in all your disciples. You're not getting the recognition you deserve. And John said, good. I don't want it. There's only one bridegroom. I only want to hear his voice. I only want him to be honored. And if I am completely forgotten in the process, and no one ever comes to me again, and at the end of my life, which he did end alone, in the beginning he was in the desert alone, and at the end of his life he was in a dungeon alone. That's okay. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And every one of us, if we have that spirit, and we pray for this, what does that say about us? We love Jesus more than ourselves. This is the ABCs of our faith, beloved. I love Christ more than I love myself. I want him to be honored more than I want other people to recognize that I have done this, or I have done that, or I have gone here. I think we have lost this in the ethical love teaching of Scripture. We look at it as, here's three rules. I've got to follow them. No, we forget Christ. This is His life. And yes, we cannot live like this in our own power. It's not within our power. But it is within His power. And we must seek that power and strength from Him. Ask, seek, and knock. But I've got one last question, and I'll leave you with this. Is there any enemy, or is there a friend, or is there a family member you may have where you need to go and ask for forgiveness? And maybe even do a little bit of groveling on your side, because you have not treated them like Jesus said to. But you don't know what they've done to me, okay? Maybe they've done 10,000 things to you and you did just one to them. But how do you know that one thing did not stick so in their crawl and is keeping them from repenting of the 10,000? Who do you need to go to and confess that you have offended them? I have spoken behind your back. I've gossiped. I've smiled at you in the public. But I have been whispering behind the scenes. This has got to come down to where the rubber meets the road. More than likely, most of us will have to do at some level in our homes, maybe even in our congregation, maybe in our workplaces. Maybe you need to apologize and go to your boss and ask him to forgive you for speaking against him to fellow employees. And he really didn't even know about it. No, I'm not going to do that. There's no point to that, really. Then you have retaliated. You have violated the law of Christ if you have done just that. But when you repent, 
and their EMTs come to pick up your boss after he suffered a heart attack for your apology, he may say, oh man, I need to talk to you more later because something has happened to you. You've changed. So instead of the church getting a black eye in the eyes of the world because we are always fighting and bickering and devouring over each other, like James said, instead, Christians are to be known as people who really do love each other. Wow. Those people really do want to love one another. They don't fight. They forgive. They bless their enemies. And beloved, if nothing else, all men will know that we are Christ's disciples because of the love we truly have for one another. And if we don't have that love, we may as well just go home. There's all kinds of talk about the Christian right That's a waste of time. We need to do this and that to save America. It's a total waste of time. Not because it's wrong or a waste of time to be involved politically. But until the church and those who would dare speak for God. And it is audacious even with the Bible to speak for God. But if we are not modeling Christ and dying to self and putting off the pride. We're just spinning our wills showing ourselves to be the hypocrites the world thinks we are. So why should anyone listen to us? And we need to be very careful, like James said in chapter 3, verse 1. Why is anyone going to listen to us with our shallowness? Oh, we see what it looks like in your neighborhood. We see what it looks like in your churches and in your homes. We see all the fighting and the squabbling. That will not be a very good testimony for us when we come claiming this is what the Bible says. And the world comes back, well, then the world will come back and say, yeah, then why don't you go do it? Physicians, heal yourself and then come back to us. We need to practice the kind of love where Jesus says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples because you have love. No retaliation, forgiving offenses, giving God the place to carry out vengeance as he wants to, and overcoming evil with evil. I pray that the Lord will help us to see our selfishness more clearly so we can repent and love more like Christ by being more giving, less taking, less of wearing on our self-defensiveness on our sleeves, wanting others to see what I have done. Every one of us needs to be praying. Give me John the Baptist's spirit, the spirit of a disciple. He must increase, but I must decrease, because Christ is all my happiness. Jesus is my joy. He is my crown. He is my life. So I'm glad to recede into the background. He must increase. Amen. Let us pray. Father, We thank you for your word, and we pray that you would teach us how to implement these things we've heard today, because they are so far beyond us. Please form your life in us and your character, that you build love up in our midst and deliver us from our pride, our selfishness, our arrogance. Help us to put others ahead of self and to live 
our lives in such a way that you increase in importance and we decrease. For it is for Christ's sake we pray. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 